many guys did he call before me? It's not going well. I mean, I hope you, I hope you guys at least have a jingle or something, like something funny. Like, is, is this guy serious? <laughs> Are you serious right now? He's really never listened. No, I mean, that's what people do. He's really never listened. They have killed. That's Jesus a good Christ, man. Uh, <laughs> I, think right. we just, okay. I think we're a bunch of jokers <laughs> here starting a podcast <laughs> with no jingle. This is the first thing I did. That was, only, that was the only thing we had at the <laughs> beginning. Well, folks, as promised, here's part two of our interview with Matthew Wilson, Chief of Staff at the International Trade Center. Listen on to hear more about Matthew's thoughts on what we get wrong about how we're communicating trade policy, living as an expat, and why he knows all the dance moves to Beyonce's single ladies. Hint, I'm not proud of myself. So I think that's a good segue to, to the next bit. Maybe talk a little bit about how we got here and sort of the future of trade. So you've been a trade negotiator, a staff member at the WTO, and now you're a senior staff member at the International Trade Center. So the last few years, as we've been talking about, sentiment has turned against many of the principles that we took for granted. And as we've also talked about, has shaken this rules-based system to the core. So how do you think we, we got here? From your perspective, coming from Barbados, how, how do you think this this happened? I think it's been gradual, but if you stop and you pay attention, you would have seen it happening. I find the trade community for many, many years didn't do enough of that kind of introspection. They didn't do enough navel gazing in the right way. But I think importantly, the trade community left a lot of people behind and ordinary people in the street, ordinary people in our countries, people who actually allow us to be able to discuss trade, people who don't really understand because we have not been good at explaining it, how they work that they do, how the contribution that they make actually relates to global trade issues. And I think that's also where populism comes in as well. When you do not engage the population enough on some of these issues, you don't allow them to see the linkages, you don't allow them to see their contribution. So if there's one thing that I hope that we've learned from all of this is we need to be more inclusive and more democratic in how we approach disseminating not just knowledge about what trade is, but be a little bit more deliberate in disseminating the benefits of trade as well. Also, another huge issue, inequality between countries and inequality within countries is incredible. You see the gap widening every single year. If you look at middle income countries now, you see that they have this massive growing pool of poor people. And that's because we have some issues with translating some of the benefits at the global level to the benefits at the, at the local level. I think we need to do better. I think it's also, we've heard from a couple of guests, obviously there's a domestic component to policy about redistribution, about training, about competitiveness that in a way gets lost. I mean, I did economics. I learned the Washington consensus. The issues of domestic policy were there, but they were kind of assumed in. So for us, efficiency was the thing. And we were responding to what happened in the 80s and so on. I think that's got to shift a bit. And we've got to think more about those domestic issues. And as you say, explain more. I mean, you've, you've mentioned that already yourself, that the, this explaining, what are the trade-offs? As you say, Matthew, also, what are the contributions people make? One thing I always come back to, and obviously I don't have, I don't have the answer, otherwise we wouldn't have started this podcast, wink, wink. One, one question I always come back to is I find it very difficult to find somebody or more than a few people who can explain it succinctly why somebody, again, taking the example of the U.S. because it's the one I know best, why somebody in the Midwest who's just a farmer in Nebraska or why should somebody in Staten Island, New York care about 
say, a small island developing state? Why should we care about the Maldives other than as a tourist destination? Why should we care? I find that it's very difficult to find people who can explain this in less than two paragraphs. Yeah, well, I probably wouldn't use a farmer in the Midwest as a good example, because I think one could say that trade distorting subsidies, agriculture subsidies, is also a huge issue mm. that has also meant inequality at the global and local level, especially in developing countries. So even those who may appear not to care, not to know, believe me, they are benefiting rightfully or wrongfully. I think it, and I don't want to sound too warm and fuzzy here, but sometimes you do lay it on me because go. my Just heart go. is dark be fuzzy. and I am, be warm, yeah, be fuzzy. lay it on go. us. No, we, can, we do need to take it to the human level. And maybe we need to stop using this term trade, which people see as this kind of esoteric thing, which is not related to them at all. Maybe we need to talk more about sustainability issues. Maybe we need to talk more about human development. Maybe we need to talk more about job creation, more about the dangers of the, of the informal economy. Maybe we need to also show people a little bit better the value chain behind the things that they consume, the things that they eat, the things that they have in their houses, the, the music that they listen to, the iPhone that they use constantly. Maybe we just need to do a better job of connecting things that people use to where these things are produced. I mean, a huge example, of course, is the clothes that we all wear. I mean, some of us don't really want to know the conditions that some of these clothes are, are produced under or the very, very low wage that some of these workers, especially women workers, get. But I think we have an obligation to kind of stare the, the cold, hard truth right in its face. And I think when you are brave enough to do that, then I think you start to build some kind of understanding and compassion for some of these issues. So sorry, there's my warm and fuzzy. Um, pretty, yeah, that was warm. I'm less colder that was than fuzzy. I was before. Yeah, that's less cold. I think Positive. Yeah, I mean, English is not your first language thanks <laughs> yeah so, i think yeah. think this this is really good because i think what we're increasingly coming around to these to these issues like sustainability and all the push in switzerland the push in europe even the push in the United States. So the big markets are pushing. And and labor issues, these stranded folks who don't have the skills to evolve with the way the economy is going, which is not 100% trade, but in part trade. So I, I think that really rings true with what we're hearing over these different episodes. Nobody's got the magic bullet, but... I should say, coming from a very, very small country is a lot easier for me to kind of say some of these things. I mean, when you're a small, open economy, I mean... Everything you do is about trade. Yeah. You can't produce enough to consume. You're a net food importer. You sometimes don't create your own content. Sometimes you don't even create your own cultural content. I, I would disagree. Barbados is a net exporter of Rihanna songs. Yeah, that's a that's a massive export. And Nicki Minaj? Where's her? No, 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 no. Nicki Minaj is. Got him. I told you. I, I, knew, I, I knew I would get him. I'm just, I'm just playing. But she is from from Trinidad. I mean, so listen, the Caribbean is. I mean, we punch above our weight, not just in terms of how we represent ourselves at the global stage, but what we've given to the world. And I will say, I'm not happy. I'm not so happy that you played Bob Marley during your your last podcast. <laughs> I left that for a true Caribbean. But I mean, when you look at the kind of so is, is Sean Paul from Barbados? Already, what kind of? <laughs> This is me stirring the pot. It's like taking the grenade, pulling the pin out, and throwing it in the virtual room. All you need to know is Rihanna. And that's all you need to know. If you ever come to Barbados, we have a, we've named a road after her, Rihanna Drive. She's an official ambassador. You can come and visit the house that she grew up in. Yeah, all those things. But we're, we're a huge exporter of, of, of culture and experiences and food and music. And yeah, it's amazing. I, I've, I've been there when Isabel, the 24-year-old daughter, was less than one, and it was where she first ate sand. Sounds fun. That's an experience. 
So, Matthew, let's let's switch it up a bit. We want to talk a bit more about you. What is it like being a chief of staff? What does one do as a chief of staff? We first of all, yeah. what do you you know? What do you like least most about it? Do you have any funny anecdotes from all these high level discussions? Has, is Bono as cool in real life as he seems on TV? And also, are you hiring? <laughs> <laughs> You've been asking me that question for seven years. <laughs> and I've been trying to let you down gently for seven years. No, listen, it's, it's an incredible and responsible role to be in. You're essentially working directly with the head of the organization and helping to translate his or her vision, helping to bridge the gap that sometimes unfortunately exists between senior management and those who really do the work, which are the staff. It is really sometimes is as simple about being an open door and a, a caring ear for people who want to discuss anything from professional issues to personal issues. You have you have such a bird's eye view of the organization. You are able to make amazing connections both internally and externally but it's difficult because you are the person that everybody blames for everything if it doesn't go well and you never get any recognition for anything that you've actually contributed to that's just how it goes that goes with the territory i'm not trying to make it sound like a sob story far from but that just goes with the territory so you have to have a broad back and you have to put your put your ego at the door there's no you know there's no role for ego when you're in this kind of position but it's been fascinating i mean uh, i've met some amazing people Although I will tell you, I'm not, I'm not impressed by don't say you know, heads of Bono, state. Don't say it. By by well, yeah, Air Force One is overrated. It's not, not what they think. Only has not six like that. toilets. <laughs> no, those things, those things don't impress me. What impresses me is when I'm traveling on ITC business and I see the people on the ground that we're actually helping. You see what a difference it makes. Those are the people that I enjoy meeting. That is the best part of my job or did um, enjoy before lockdown lockdown yeah but now i'm seeing all of them online and i'm seeing more of them than i would if i were on the ground so actually is not true uh, it's true actually that virtual has, has actually brought us onto the same plane with a lot of the folks that we work with who otherwise it was hqv the field and now we're all on the same we're on the same level and that has it's actually made us much more global i i, I really like it we've been able to reach people that we never would have been able to reach before which i i think is absolutely amazing i mean the worst part of the job like this earlier this year before there was a bit of a shutdown i went to i was in nepal the then acting executive director dorothy tembo and we were launching a few strategies done a few things it was great and so we were happened to be in this big meeting where there were ministers and media everyone was there and my chair broke and i and it collapsed but the problem is is that it happened in slow motion and <laughs> i could feel myself falling out of the chair and then well i fell out and everybody looked and the cameras turned and then i jumped up and i held my hands together and i said namaste namaste it's okay i'm okay <laughs> you rhyme too <laughs> i will never ever understand why i decided to jump up and say namaste so <laughs> every time that. i hear that word namaste now not, it just fills me with absolute dread not just white people um, who make that mistake we need to get we need to get a clip let's let's get a clip of that yeah i think we'll need to dig we'll, that okay, out okay we'll we'll look for that in the archives yeah you know what? You can ask Bruce. Bruce Bruce from T4C saw it happen in real time. Okay. Well, Bruce awesome. is dead now. <laughs> Narrator. Bruce died shortly yeah, exactly. after filming. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I did warn him, actually. <laughs> you dare tell he, anyone he, about this. He slipped out of an eighth-story window. So we we're we are going to switch over a little bit, you know, now out of the professional realm and then run down a few questions. I mean, we're, it's also the show's also scientific. Mm. With Very survey-driven work. 
So you've been out of Barbados for a while. What's it like watching proceedings back there from abroad? Is there anything that you saw differently than you would have seen when you were there? Actually, I'm pretty proud about what I see when I look back at my country. If you look at the way that we've handled the COVID pandemic, actually, we have not had any community spread. We have been able to restart our tourism industry. And we're doing this because we have some really, really clear and really effective quarantine rules. So I think the way that I've seen us manage that process has made me incredibly proud. As I said before, I have a Prime Minister, who I'm incredibly proud of. When everyone hears I'm from Barbados, they say, listen, we've heard your Prime Minister. This is this is fantastic. So that makes me feel really, really good. I go home every year, and no matter where I am, I feel like I'm still representing my country. Huh? So I don't feel a huge disconnect at all. Well, since we're on the topic of Barbados specifically, people who we work with or we know who are from the Caribbean, we're not saying you, obviously, they always try to convince us that it's not really that, it's great. Not that great. We always have this idea. It's like, oh, you guys just walking on white sand beaches on a horse, uh, you know, with <laughs> exactly. the coconuts with the Mai Tai, yeah, shoulder, all that. with the Mai yeah. Tai in your hand. Well, what they tell us is that it's not really that great. Everybody knows <laughs> everybody. Small, yeah. They know your business. Nah. It's too small. What is the real truth? Yeah, listen, I can't tell you how many times I walk on a nice sandy beach with a Mount Gay rum, not a Mai Tai, a Mount Gay rum, yeah, because, yeah. and here's another pitch, Barbados <laughs> is the birthplace of rum. Do you know anybody at Mount Gay rum who wants to sponsor this podcast? This would us? be bing. Perfect timing, ding. Usually you say that pitch at the end, but hey, why not? We can consider, huh? To be yeah. true, growing up, I lived five minutes from the beach. In Barbados, you can get to a beach no matter where you are in less than half an hour. Yeah, it is pretty much paradise, but we're serious people, huh? We're not these kind of siesta-taking people. We are serious people. So I don't want people to believe that it's all fun and games. We're just really good at balancing. And we are a little bit relaxed, but I think that's how we need to be, especially in 2020, a little bit more relaxed. It's kind of like we are in the Midwest. We're kind of like Barbados. Wisconsin's kind of like Barbados. Yeah, without kind the of white sand beaches, the coconuts, the Mount Gay rum, more cheese though, and freezing cold winters. Yeah, and less conversation. More white people. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Yeah, but I'm sure it's the same. I mean, everyone kind of knows each other's business a little bit. It's funny. I had forgotten to mention this before, but we actually have more in common, Matthew, than you would think at first glance. We're both from islands. And if Staten Island wasn't a part of the U.S., it would also probably be a small island developing state. So there's that. That's the biggest stretch I've ever heard of trying to sound as if you have... And that's who would fill an island with Yugos and, and firemen? And I mean, there's no island like don't that. Forget, don't forget the cops. The cops and, and the EMT workers. <laughs> so, I mean, I guess we need to get to the real question here. Have you had your bike stolen yet? I mean, this is how you're in Geneva. Yeah, I, I'm really happy that you guys assumed that I ride a bike. I learned how to ride a bike at 11 years old, and I gave it up at 13. So, no, I've never had my bike stolen. This is one way to avoid having a bike stolen. Just give it up. Yeah, it before up. you can get hurt. All right. Here in 2021. No one needs what? Helmet here. It's true. Actually, it's true. Also, micro headphones here is actually my biggest issue right now. I'm just glad you have a pair of headphones for once. Yeah. I'm one of those Echo guys. Yeah. There's a bit of Princess Leia thing going on there. Right <laughs> <laughs> We're taking a photo of Ooh, I'm actually. <laughs> These aren't the droids I'm blushing. That's good. I, 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 we're keeping that. That's staying in. Uh, Artie, I mean, we're, this, is a, this is a scientific undertaking. Matthew, you've listened to the other episodes on the podcast. What is your favorite kebab place in Geneva? We won't go into the specifics. Or globally. Or globally. If there is a better one in Barbados, let us know. Yeah, there's this one place down in Paki that I used to love to go to when I first came. I wish I could remember the name. All I know is that it was in the newspaper back in 2002 because every time I go in there, this guy has the newspaper stuck <laughs> right next to the big slab of kebab. Uh, but it's great. 
That's all I'll say. Alfred, so it's somewhere in Paki. Alfred Beirut. I mean, no one cares about names in Paki. They just follow their noses. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. No okay. names in Paki. No. Well, listen, the first, first, when I first came to Geneva, I, I lived in Paki. That's where the government put me up. Right there in Paki. Did they? This is trust. Tell me or they didn't trust. like him. <laughs> I don't think that's it. I don't think you can do that. And uh, well, we've got a we've got a duopoly here in in Switzerland. Co-op and Migro. Are you a co-op or Migro guy? Well, when I first came here, the first place I went to was Migro. So I have a bit of an affinity to Migro. I have to have to be honest with you. And I think they're a bit cheaper as well. And listen, I also buy Migro own store products. That's how like devoted I am to Migro. Wow, cheap stuff. Wrong like Migro, no Migro Select for you. No, that's just a little bit too posh for me. It's like kind of Betty Bossy in co-op. It's, it's never as good as they promised it would be. <laughs> that, that Betty, she's a liar. I, I walked in, for me, I got here, I walked into Migro and I said, I can't have my Coke, can't have my cigarettes, can't have my beer. Walked right out, unless it's closer. Matthew, thank you for joining the podcast. It's been a fantastic discussion. We were not mature enough to interview you before this. That's why we didn't come, yeah, come but, asking. But you, you did make the top 10. <laughs> no, listen, I'm really happy Definitely. because, I mean, my only experience with Ardian before this was him teaching me how to dance to single ladies at the um, Christmas party. <laughs> it's so, also on my I resume. Mean, constantly seeing all these new <laughs> skills, it just completely <laughs> you see him in a different light. Yeah, I, that's actually, I'm having a little bit of a flashback on that. And now we know our outro music. I still have those fights. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank you for that. If you like it, you should have put a ring on it. Matthew, great pleasure. Thanks again for coming on. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Matthew. Great. Take care. I know.